Praise the Lord. God bless all of you and welcome to our Sunday morning service. It's great to be in the presence of the Lord. What a powerful presence of God as we worship the Lord and uh, prayed one with another and just want to encourage you in the name of the Lord to receive today from uh, God's presence as I minister the word today. We're going to be taking a look at Jesus, our great high priest, and I'm going to conclude this message with a call for total surrender. Full, complete surrender to God. Some of you are here today, and maybe you've never given all to Jesus. Maybe you've never given everything to the Lord. Well, this message, I think, is going to culminate in a challenge to you to offer everything to Jesus. Offer everything to the Lord. Some of you are here today, maybe you've never even given your heart to Jesus. What better time than today? And I'll give you that opportunity as well at the end of the service to come to know the Lord Jesus as your own personal Savior and Lord. I've learned this, those that turn back, those that fall away, those that draw back, those that get busy, those that become lethargic or lukewarm in their spirit, I've learned this, that they are most miserable most miserable. But I've learned this, when you're fully in, all in and all out for the all in all. I'm all in and I'm all out for the all in all. When, when that is your testimony and it's a reality in your heart, that's when you have peace and joy and strength and confidence and courage and contentment and satisfaction, soul satisfaction. So I want to encourage you to this thing called full and complete surrender. Can you do that? Can you do that? All right. Well, we're heading into the holidays, right? Thanksgiving is this Thursday, so no Wednesday night service. Then we have Sunday services. Then by the 15th of uh, December at the movies. And I want you to pick up some invitations. And let's just make it our plan to be inviting and bringing. Just don't invite, but see if everybody can bring somebody to at the movies. We're going to take a Hollywood movie. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a very touching. And uh, we're going to creatively use it to preach the gospel. And so those that you bring that don't know Jesus, they're going to be given an opportunity to give the heart to Jesus. It's going to be creative. It's going to be funny. It's going to be heartwarming. And in that particular setting, an appeal is going to be made. We're going to trust the spirit of God is going to draw them and they're going to come to Jesus, come to Jesus. But let's bring them. All right, let's bring them. So that's coming up there in the month of December, December 15th. All right, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, these three verses. And uh, I titled this message, Jesus, our great high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that's one thing. We approach the Lord to find sympathy, help, mercy, grace. We come to the Lord to find sympathy. In other words, he touched with the feelings of. He understands. He cares for us. And in that heart of love and compassion for us, he offers us grace and mercy and help in our time of need. In other words, at just the right time. At just the right time. 
time for us. Jesus, our great high priest. We've learned that the book of Hebrews was written to Jews who had come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, or Jews that had professed to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And uh, this is before 70 AD when the book of Hebrews was written because the temple was still here. Sacrifices were still being made. Israel was still existing as a nation. There still was a high priest. And many of those Jews that had come to faith in Christ and the simplicity of the gospel were tempted to turn back to the sacrifices, the temple, the high priest, keeping the law, all those things. And so the writer here of the book of Hebrews is writing to these Jewish Christians who had claimed to come into faith in Christ. He says, hold fast, don't turn back, keep believing, don't, don't withdraw. I'm warning you, you got to hold fast. And uh, so many of them were returning. They were leaving Jesus to return back to offering lambs and goats and bulls for their sins. And that's why Hebrews says, if you turn away from Jesus Christ, there is no other sacrifice for sins. You think by offering that lamb or that goat or that bull or whatever in the Old Testament, that's not going to cover your sins. That was only temporary. Jesus now is the Lamb of God. So there remains no more sacrifice for sins for you. If you reject Jesus Christ, don't turn back. Don't turn back. And so that's our message today, not to turn back. And so Hebrews is all about better than. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron, the high priest. Jesus is better than Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus has a better covenant. It's built on better promises. Jesus is better than. And everybody needs to believe that in your heart. That Jesus is better than whatever you want to put there. As Christians living in Michigan in the year 2019, Jesus is better than success. Jesus is better than money. Jesus is better than family. Jesus is better than marriage. Jesus is better than recreation. Jesus is better than whatever you want to put there. You have to believe that Jesus is better than because if somebody is better than Jesus, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. You are loving something or valuing something more than Jesus Christ. He is better than life. He's better than ten sons. He's better than what this world has to offer. Jesus is better than. Somebody say amen. 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 Jesus is better than. We find here in verse 14 that Jesus is our great high priest and he's better than Aaron because there's three reasons. Jesus is alive, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is the Son of God. Reading verse 14. Seeing then that we have, not that we had, but that we have, present tense, Jesus is alive right now as our high priest, a great great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, because he's our great high priest and is seated at the right hand of God, he is alive right now, let us, this is our first commandment, hold fast our profession. There's two commandments in these three verses. Because he's a great high priest, hold on, hold fast, lay hold, don't turn away, and also let us come boldly. Before God to that thing called the throne of grace. 
Well, let's get into this message, all right? Jesus is alive. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save to the uttermost. And I always heard preachers when I first got saved, he is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. I like that. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. This word uttermost means completely. Perfectly, he's able to save you utterly or eternally. He's a, he, he completely, perfectly, utterly, eternally, he's able to save you to the uttermost. You have an eternal salvation. Let me put it this way. Your salvation is forever and ever and ever and ever endeavor, endeavor, endeavor. It's not a partial salvation. It's not an incomplete salvation. There's nothing you can do to add to his salvation. He is able to save you completely, perfectly, and eternally. He's a great high priest. And he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's always praying or interceding really for two things, your forgiveness and your faith. Your forgiveness, that blood was presented in the true tabernacle in heaven in the presence of God his Father, and that blood was accepted by the Father as atonement for our sins. He as a high priest has sprinkled the heavenlies with his blood. It was accepted. The wrath of God was appeased. The wrath of God was satisfied. And he ever lives to plead our forgiveness in the presence of our heavenly Father. He doesn't plead temporarily. He doesn't plead for a few years. He doesn't plead over this sin or that sin. It's a complete salvation. All our sins for all eternity. Jesus stands in the presence of his father and he pleads for our forgiveness. Amen. Look at it this way. I have been forgiven. And I am being forgiven, and I ever shall be forgiven. I am forgiven. When? April 15th, 1976, I placed my faith in Christ, and I was forgiven. I was made right before God, and now I am being forgiven. Those sins I commit every single day, well, I don't sin every day, maybe once a year. My wife says maybe once every two years. I know. What do you think? I am being forgiven. He washes my feet every single day. And I'm not just the only one. Am I right about that? We can humble ourselves and be honest about this. We all need his forgiveness. We all come short of the glory of God. So I have been forgiven. All my sins were laid on him. And when I believed, his blood covered me and he rode me in his righteousness. And every single day I can go to God and receive my daily forgiveness. And I want you to know I shall be forgiven for all eternity. There is not a moment in time in eternity when the father's going to come to me and said, time's up, the blood of Christ has run out, it no longer avails, it's lost its power, it no longer works for you, I'm sorry, you must be cast out. No, he saves to the uttermost. He saves to the uttermost. Hallelujah. He is our great high priest. He is alive. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the father. That's what it means when it says he passed through the heavens. 
The Old Testament priest, once a year, passed through the courtyard, the holy place, into the most holy place on the Day of Atonement. Our great high priest passed through the first heavens, that's where the birds are, into the second heavens, that's the space of moon and stars, into the third heaven, the very throne room of God, where the Bible says this in Hebrews 9.24, for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but Christ entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus appears in the presence of God, his Father, for us. He's our high priest. He represents us to the Father. He comes with the blood, the atoning blood. He comes with prayers and intercessions. He's there representing you, and he's representing me. Hallelujah. He passed through, and the scripture says he sat down, right? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. We looked at the four areas of sitting down, what that means. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. When the Bible says he sat down, that means it was a place of honor. When the Bible says he sat down, that means it was a place of rest. He had finished the work for our salvation. When the Bible says he sat down, that means he sat down in a place of authority and power that he now extends to us. When the Bible says he sat down, it means he sat down in a place of intercession where he ever liveth to make intercession for us he prays for our forgiveness he prays for our faith that's what he said to peter peter you're going to deny me three times but i have prayed for you that your faith will not fail Listen, to all of you that are going through a testing of your faith, you're being challenged with your faith, you feel weak in your faith, you feel shaken in your faith, I want you to know that you have a high priest who is in heaven itself, seated at the right hand of the Father, he ever lives to make intercession for you, and he is praying that your faith will not fail. He's praying that your faith's not going to fail, and if Jesus is praying for you, who hears his prayer? The Father... Will the Father answer the Son's prayer? Absolutely. So if he's praying that your faith will not fail, I guarantee you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it because his prayers are effectual for you and I. Oh, you might not feel like you're going to make it, but you're going to make it. Just keep looking to God, and he will be there for you. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sat down. Bible says Jesus, the son of God. He's the perfect person with the perfect provision. The perfect person, Jesus Christ, perfect, sinless, holy, blameless, undefiled, separate for sinners. He's perfect in all his ways, and he offered the perfect provision. He was that lamb without spot, without blemish. Imagine that. The high priest would offer the sacrifice. Jesus, our Savior, not only is the high priest that offered the sacrifice, but the sacrifice that he offered was himself. Amazing. Amazing. Those, those priests in the Old Testament, they'd bring the lamb or bring the bull or bring the goat, and they'd offer that as a priest. But our great high priest came bringing a sacrifice, and the sacrifice was his very life. 
He himself was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Since Jesus is our great high priest, let us hold fast our confession and let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's talk about this first one. Hold fast your confession. That's important, isn't it? You do your part, hold fast. God does his part, holding fast. Does that make sense? You hold fast and he holds fast. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. You hold fast and God holds fast. Why do you need to hold fast? Well, let me ask you this, or let me tell you this. There's, there's, there's things that come into our life. Trials, testings. Anybody ever been through a trial? You know, I'm still waiting for my first one. Just, just easy. Just easy. Just kidding. Of course, we all know this. In the world, we shall have tribulation. And we learn, according to Peter, that faith is a virtue that must be tried by fire. And it's the law of adversity. I, you know, I, I hate this law, but the law of adversity basically is this, is that we grow stronger in adversity than in blessing. We do. And so God knows how to strengthen us, and God knows how to change us, and God knows how to work in us. And one of the things he uses is tests and trials, and they bring on stress. Stress, and, and a lot of times we try to handle stress. You know, I always use the three M's for this. Some people medicate it, some people motivate it, and some people meditate on it. Stress, stress. You medicate it with, with drugs or with alcohol or eating. Food is pleasurable, isn't it? And you try to feel good by overeating or by alcohol or by drugs, or you meditate on it, you just think and think and think on it, think on it, think on it, and you have panic attacks. And other people, they motivate it. What I mean by that, they just throw themselves into work, into busyness. And we have all these ways of handling stress, all these ways of making it through life, all these ways of handling our trials and our testings. And here we have a great high priest seated at the right hand of the Father who's ever living to make intercession for us. And he says, if you just come to me, I'll give you grace and mercy and help. I understand. Just approach me, come to me, ask of me. And instead, we go about trying to handle it on our own. Never tell God, I got this. I got this. I, I don't need you. Don't, don't tell God that. You would say, well, I would never tell God that. Well, I'm not saying you actually verbally tell God that, but we do that when we look away from him and try to handle it in our own strength. What we're literally saying is, I got this, God. Well, go through it on your own strength and see where that leads you. Powerless, defeated, weak, and more stressful. How do you handle stress? Take the idea of overeating. You overeat, you just eat and eat and eat because you want to feel good and kind of forget the pain and the stress, and, and then you get more stressed out. Why? Because you're starting to gain weight. That's why. You go shopping to try to feel good. That's how you're handling life is you're going to shop and spend to get something to make you feel better. And next thing you know, you have more stress. Why? Because now you're in debt. Whenever we try to handle it on our own, it never works out. Never works out. Hold fast. Your part is to hold fast. Let me read some scriptures to you. Hebrews 3.14 says, We have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. 
Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Continuing and remaining are key to true discipleship. A faith that endures is genuine. Continuing and Jesus even says this, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Continuing and remaining are key to discipleship. Don't let go. Don't draw back. There's all kinds of warnings for those that let go. Now, the writer here, see, he's writing to these Jews that had come to faith in Christ, and now they were letting go of their profession of faith. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I'm letting go of that, and I'm turning back again to the law, to sacrifices, to earthly priesthood, to these things, and they were empty. Empty. They didn't save. They're turning away from the true Lord and Savior. They're letting go. And that's why the book of Hebrews has lots of warnings. Continuing and remaining are key. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us. This is not talking about just somebody leaving a church. It's really talking about uh, people that were naming the name of God and part of the family of God, considered themselves Christians, all right? But they were false teachers. And it says this, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. I'm not talking about a local church attendance or local church membership. People leave churches, go to others all the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how they were manifesting the, the falseness of their faith by leaving the Lord. They continued for a time. They persevered for a season. They remained only temporary. And now they're walking away. They're turning away. And the writer there, the Apostle John says, you know what? They have revealed themselves that what they have was not genuine. I believe the faith that truly saves is strong enough and powerful enough not only to save you for that day, for that week, for that month, for that year, but for five years, do you believe that? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. A faith that saves is able to keep you all those years. And not just keep you in good times, it can keep you in challenging times, difficult times, trying times, testing times. Dark times, it can keep you, no matter what comes your way, for however long you need it, it's a faith that can endure and sustain because it's a divine faith, a supernatural faith. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. How do you know your faith is real? How do you know you possess eternal life? Because there's something in you that holds fast. Let me put it to you this way. If you 
let go, turn away, fall away, no longer endure or persevere. All the warnings of Hebrews applies to you. Because there is no confidence for you if you've turned away from the only God that can save you. None. None, none, none. Now this is God's part. He's going to hold fast to you. Lest you get the wrong idea that your salvation is dependent upon you holding fast. I want you to know there are times when you can let go and he will catch you. There's times when you're faking it very weak and he will sustain you. And there's even a season where you can walk away and he will draw you back. And I'm so thankful that my salvation is not entirely dependent upon me hanging on because my grip can get weak. But there's one mightier and stronger than I that is holding on to me. Listen to what it says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. And I love First Peter 1 verse 5. It says this. That we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we're kept by the power of God through faith. What does that mean? Through faith. The power of God keeps you because Jesus is praying for you. Remember what I said? What does he pray for? Your forgiveness and your faith. Thank you. He prays as a high priest for your forgiveness And for your faith. Remember, Peter, you're going to deny me, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. We are kept by the power of God through faith. So God's power keeps us because of the interceding work of our high priest, interceding for our faith. The power of God keeps us because the Lord quickens empowers, strengthens our faith. Our faith. He motivates you and ministers to you so that your faith will not fail. So all of you that are weak in faith, he's praying for your faith. You are kept by the power of God through that faith that his power is quickening in you. Does that make sense? I got this great quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. It says this. Our perfect Savior and great high priest, I'm sorry, this is not C.S. Lewis' quote, this is my quote. I have another quote by C.S. Lewis coming up. But I want to give credit to where credit is due. I wrote this one. So stand and just be amazed. (laughs) Our perfect Savior and great high priest is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before him. He has us in his hands. Nothing can separate us from his great love. His power keeps us. His grace sustains us. His spirit seals us. The Lord has predestined us, chosen us, saved us, sanctifies us, and he surrounds us with his presence. The Lord has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. There remains a rest for us. Rest in his salvation, rest in his plans, rest in the hope of eternal life. When we are weak, he is strong. When we are struggling, he is strengthening. When we are doubting, he is shouting his victory. He is shouting his promises, and he is shouting his great name to you and I. Let's give God praise for that.
Hallelujah. So I'm holding fast as he's holding on to me. I'm holding fast as he's holding on to me. That's what I want you to get out of this message. So that's the first command. Because we have this great high priest that's seated at the right hand of God praying for us. He's offered his blood, so he's interceding for our forgiveness, and he's praying for our faith, and we're kept by the power of God through faith that he prays will not fail. And God the Father hears the prayers of his son Jesus, and he answers those prayers, so he is praying for you and I, and his prayers are effectual. God answers them, so we are safe and secure. He will see us through. He saves us to the uttermost. That's what we've learned so far. Now, let us, the second command, because we have a great high priest who's seated at the right hand of God, let us come boldly. Let us come boldly. Isn't that what it says there? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That time of need means that at the right time, when we're in need, he's coming to us at the right time. How do you come? Boldly through the blood. Boldly through the blood. That's how we approach God. Boldly through the blood. When I say bold, that means with confidence, with full assurance. I want you to know that you belong in the presence of God if you're a child of God. You can come boldly. You can have all kinds of confidence because you're a member of his family. Remember last week we looked at he is not ashamed to call you his brother. He's not ashamed to call you a member of his family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is our brother. God is our father. He welcomes us as his children into his presence. I belong there and you belong there. We don't have to tiptoe. The high priest could only go there one time a year. They'd literally tie a rope around his ankle in case God would strike him dead. And they'd pull him out of that most holy place. The children of Israel at Mount Sinai, they were quaking, and they couldn't come near the mountain. They'd actually put a boundary on you. Don't get near. Don't touch. God's going to consume you. They're quaking and fearful. And the Bible says for us, because of our great high priest and the blood of Jesus and the salvation which is by faith through grace, we now are members of his family, and we are welcomed in welcomed in we can come boldly and pray boldly because it's through the blood of jesus we don't go with our merit with our worth with our works with our effort with our faithfulness we don't go with anything like that we go covered in the blood of jesus He's done the work. He's welcomed me. I'm accepted in his sight because of what Christ did for me. I'm just stepping into it. Boldly through the blood. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The holiest is the most holy place. That's the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the angels, the cherubims, the presence of God sealed off with a curtain, we can enter into the holiest, right? Into the presence of God Almighty. You know, when we are worshiping God, he inhabits our praises. He's enthroned upon our praises. He comes down amongst the people as we praise him. His spirit is in us, with us, and all around us. And uh, we feel his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. We sense it. We feel it. And I want you to know, sometimes we can just take it for granted. But they didn't have access like this in the Old Testament. 
They didn't have access like this. We can come boldly through the blood. Boldly through the blood. We don't have to come with shame, with a sense of, oh, I failed. You won't hear me now. You know, if there's sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And therefore, we can come and bring our petitions. And not just our requests, we can come and sit in his presence. And we don't have to hide anything. The high priest had to wear all kinds of garments. I want you to know that your garment is the garment of righteousness that Christ has clothed you with. And you can just come into God and look up with an open face. Just be honest, transparent. He's not intimidated by your struggles. Bible says if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you and he will not upbraid you. That means he's not going to scold you. When you come into God's presence, it's not a scolding presence, a condemning presence, nor is it an accusing presence. It's a loving presence. As a matter of fact, we come how? Boldly through the blood. What are we coming to? The Bible says a throne of grace. In the very end time, in the book of Revelation, it says, when all is consummated, then the dead will rise up and stand before the great white throne judgment. Judgment. His throne is throne of judgment to those that don't know Jesus, but his throne is a throne of grace to those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. A, a grace, free love. Absolute acceptance. A throne of grace. We come to a throne of grace. Not a throne of judgment or condemnation or accusation. We are worthy because of what Christ has done for us. His blood has made a way for us. We can come boldly with our prayers. We can have an open face. Be honest and transparent. And just reveal who we are in the presence of God. Knowing that he freely, unconditionally, and eternally loves each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Boldly. Boldly. Hebrews 10.22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, that's a little challenging, so I got a modern translation and put it this way. We come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him, For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Woo! That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? I love that. Thank you, God, for your blood today that has covered me. And your blood is so powerful that it actually ministers to my conscience. And my conscience no longer condemns me in your sight as well. I know I am free. I know I am forgiven. I know I am accepted. I thank you, Lord, that I now can come boldly, that I can draw near. Let us come closer to God. It's an invitation. You can get as close as you want. You can get as close as you want. It's an invitation to you. Let us come closer to God. Hmm.
Where do you come to this throne of grace? And what do you find? Sympathy, grace, mercy, and help at just the right time. Let me read you this quote by C.S. Lewis. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people in one sense know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist is Jesus Christ. He knows the power of temptation. I talked about this last week. He faced the full power of Satan's assault. God the Father did not limit the temptation or the power of temptation from the devil like he does for us because Jesus has no weakness. Therefore, the devil threw everything he had at Jesus and Jesus resisted him for 33 years. Well, I haven't uh, had any carbs for two weeks, you know pretty good you know i mean we resist a little bit we discipline ourselves and we feel pretty good if it's been two weeks or six weeks or praise god i haven't had a drink drink in six years well done jesus never sinned never gave in in thought word or deed for 33 years on this earth facing the full assault of satan and you might be saying well he's god it was easy on him Hebrews 12 verse 4 says, You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Jesus not only experienced the full power of temptation, Jesus experienced the full resistance to temptation. He resisted sin to bloodshed. What does that mean? Well, most people put this in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus faced the full temptation to choose his own will over his Father's will. And the Bible says that with great agony... He prayed, sweating drops of blood, resisting, choosing his own life and his own will over the Father's will. He resisted it with such force and fervor that the capillaries began to burst and he sweated out blood. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, yes, he was the perfect son of God. He knew no sin. He, he, was, uh, he had a holy nature, but he resisted it. And so we now have a high priest that understands what we're going through. And when we go to him and say, oh God, I need help. I need a way out, a way through. I need strength. I need healing, I need mercy, I need comfort, I need forgiveness. Lord, I feel so weak. We have a high priest who knows, a high priest who understands. Because he's such a great high priest, let's hold fast and let's come boldly. Let's hold fast and come boldly. Let's hold fast and come boldly. In conclusion, I want to talk about full surrender because holding fast is a posture of faith 
of continuing, of persevering, of enduring, of hanging on, of tenacity, of laying hold, of walking it out, not turning back, and not giving up. That's what holding fast means. Full surrender. Have you grown lukewarm? Half-hearted? Compromise? Has your faith weakened so much through your manifold trials and temptations that you feel like you're ready to give up? Or maybe you have given up. This isn't for me. I'm going to call to full surrender. Talking to all of us here today. This is not an altar call for the unsaved. It includes them. It's a call to all of us. Where are you at in your heart? In your life? Is there something that you need to surrender to God this morning? Give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, and so much of your work. I want you, all of you. I have not come to torment and frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want to only prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me. The whole outfit. All of your desires, all of your wants and wishes and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me and I will make of you a new self in my image. Give me yourself and in exchange, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. How many want that? Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. No matter where you're at in your journey, if you're lost and need Christ, come forward. If you're weak and need strength, come forward. If you're half-hearted, come forward. If you're lukewarm, come forward. If there's an area that you haven't surrendered, come forward. If you just want to renew, say, Lord, total surrender. That's, that's what's in my heart. That's what I want to do. Total surrender. If that's you, come forward and make this altar a place of worship and consecration. As they sing, just come. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to the Lord. Come and surrender. Full surrender. Show us your glory, show us your glory, let every burning heart be holy ground, show us, show us your glory, show us your glory, we wonder and surrender, we fall down, show us your glory.
we just make this an offering to you, a place of worship and consecration. This is our New Testament altar. And here we call on the name of the Lord. We pour out our hearts. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and devoted to you, O Lord. Full surrender, nothing held back. If you've let go, reach up with arms of faith and grab hold again. Grab hold, hold fast, hold fast. He's holding on to you. You're here today because he's never let go of you. So you hold fast. Receive our worship, our surrender. Work it deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Blessings on you, blessings on you, blessings on you, blessings on you. My wife and I are going to be out there by guest services to meet anybody that's new to our church, all right? We'd love to meet you. You have a great, great day. What a great presence of the Lord for us today. God bless you.